Welcome back. Good to have you. The Bill Michaels Show continues on. Um, <laughs> now I got people arguing about uh, malt vinegar and cocktail sauce and stuff with fish and supper clubs and everything. Uh, <laughs> Mark says, head to a good old-fashioned supper club tonight, get yourself an old-fashioned, and enjoy the Christmas spirit. I, you know what? But isn't, like, Fridays, Fish Fry Friday, it's traditional here in the state of Wisconsin? I don't do it all the time. But if you're going to go out tonight, don't you look for a fish fry? Or do you look for something a little more, I want to say, comfortable? You know? Do you go to the supper club? Or maybe maybe you go to a steak place. Maybe you do that. You know what I want after work tonight? And this will not be possible for me because i got to drive about four or five hours to get where I'm going after my show tonight. Yeah. But my dream, be a brandy old-fashioned, snow is falling outside, maybe some classic Andy Williams Christmas songs playing, and I want an entire jar of pickled herring and a big box of club crackers, and I don't want anyone to bother me, and I'm just going to sit there and eat it slowly. But that is my Wisconsin fare. You brought up supper clubs. I know that's not yeah. typically at a supper club, but that's what I would want. Love pickled herring. I used to do, I used to be the spokesperson for Ma Bench Herring. Did you ever have that? No. Yeah, Ma Bench Herring. It's made right here in the state of Wisconsin. It's uh, just north of Milwaukee is where their plant is. And it's been around for a long time, and it was. it's an acquired taste. I could do a couple, you know, I, I, it's not like I could sit down and eat a jar. I could do a couple of them, you know, but I couldn't do a bunch. But you're right. The club crackers, those, those, that was the way to go. If you could do some herring and club crackers and the beverage, that, I could do that. But I, I couldn't do a lot of it. I couldn't do like a whole jar of it. I mean, if you want to go nuts, you can relish tray with pickles and with olives. Like that's very supper yeah. club-ish. Um, but on a yeah. night like tonight, I would just eat the jar of herring. I guess if we have the crackers, fine. I'll eat it with a fork, too. I, I guess yeah. I don't even need the crackers. My grandfather, and uh, believe it or not, my grandfather was a uh, the, the cannibal sandwich guy with the onions and the meat. Oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah. My dad my dad couldn't stand it, but my grandfather, poof, he used to do that. My grandfather, Nagley, and uh, he was a uh, – he worked at Hudepol Brewing. So he was a he was an Irish guy that worked in a German beer – beer factory he was a brewer uh, for Hudipol brewing and he would always do the cannibal sandwiches he'd always have a keg of Hudipol because he had keg he had, a, he had a refrigerator with a keg in it downstairs so I remember those when I was a kid Christmas Eve everybody brought something there was always the cheese tray that my mom would make you know but then there was the deviled eggs now the deviled eggs psh, I, that I could do mm-hmm. deviled egg olive on it uh, with the paprika oh yeah could do a bunch of deviled eggs a couple of a couple of frosty beverages you know, as a matter of fact, I just uh, since the party's over just yesterday when I was cleaning up behind the bar, I put a, I got bass uh, glassware, really nice bass glasses, bass beer glasses, and I just put them back in the freezer. So they're in the freezer, so they're frosty when you pull them out for the be- for the beer. So I could I could do one of those. Oh, I could sit at the bar and do that tonight for sure. My uh, my dad's side of the family, I know I the cannibal sandwiches. Heard about that. My uncles, my grandpa, my mom's side of the family, my grandpa loved head cheese. If you know what that Ooh. is. Yeah, where you serve it with like, um, like rye chips or uh, like yeah. real crunchy bread. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But I guess to, you know, pick your choose your fighter: head cheese or cannibal right. sandwich. Both are very unappealing right. in in twenty twenty three. Yeah. Uh, Rick says the port wine cheese. Port wine cheese, I could go for. 
port wine cheese and whatever type of cracker you want to put it on. Port wine cheese on uh, uh, Triscuits is good. I could do that. The other thing that I love and I'm a big fan of, if you can find a really good place that makes the hard bread of sourdough bread, sourdough bread, and it's warm, a little bit of butter, but then you just take the other side and you put it in the balsamic vinegar and with a little bit of oil. Oh, do that all night long, too. Yeah. Now I'm getting myself hungry. I can't wait for the end of the program today. We still yeah. got to get through Mike Clemens for the next next hour. I mean, I, I brought up pickled herring completely, like, unprompted. Right. So I am also hungry back here in the studio. I bet yeah. Mike Clemens would have some things to say about pickled herring yeah. and head cheese. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mike is Mike is um, a a different type of connoisseur. When you go out with Mike, Mike will you think Mike's a beer guy? And Mike likes a beer, but Mike every time we've gone out, it's like gin and tonic or something and that type of thing. Maybe maybe he was the one. Maybe all the gin got drank by him here at the party, and that was the reason he got up and started singing old Eagles tunes. But uh, yeah, um, and there was you know this time of year you always have the party, but I you know God at this point in time I could probably do the. The potatoes and the French onion dip, for, potato chips and French onion dip. For well, what Mike would say if we bring any of this stuff up, he'd be like, well, you know who really liked head cheese was right. Fritz Schirmer. And I remember I, having it with him, and then, <laughs> you know, off he goes. I saw Fritz at a pick and save years ago. Now, I was dressed as a shopping cart, and he was putting all of his groceries in me. So, <laughs> yeah, I could see that happen. Oh, my God. Ah, uh, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Um, this one is from uh, Lucas. Lucas says, hey, uh, Bill, I want to ask if it was you at Eric's House of Prime in Waukesha a couple of weeks ago. Speaking of Friday nights out, Lucas, it was. It was. I, I did go there. Kristen and I, it's kind of, we went to, the, we, we love eating at the bar at, at places. Like most steakhouses and stuff, that's okay. But we, like, we went to the Edison last weekend and just had appetizers downtown. And I got a really good glass. I got a glass of Angel's Envy and sat there and we had appetizers. We love doing that. Just going someplace and getting either a good beer or a bourbon. And, but I ended up going to Eric's. I haven't been to Eric's in probably, God, almost 15 years. And we were downtown uh, Waukesha, and I said, let's just go over and try it again. I haven't been there in a while. And we sat at the end of the bar, and we loved it. The French onion soup was fantastic, but they have scallops that are just absolutely awesome. So we don't load up. It's not like you're down there getting big, fat, and happy on, on steaks and stuff. But we went down, and we just had some scallops, and we had some French onion soup and a couple of beverages and had some nice conversation with a lot of the regulars and, and got out. But Eric's, Eric's house, house of Prime, it's kind of a – Kind of a little hidden, hidden gem in downtown Waukesha. If you don't want to go, and the best part about it was it was like sixty bucks for two of us. It wasn't a ton of money. It wasn't like it was a hundreds of you know hundreds of dollars for a steakhouse. It wasn't. It was great. So yeah, and that's even with uh, that's even with beverages. So that, it was it was an awesome time. So but thank you for uh, thank you. And if you notice that, that's okay if you come over and say hello. We get a lot of that where we'll go out and people people recognize Kristen off of the pictures more than they do me. And they'll come over and go, aren't, aren't, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, come on over. We don't care. No big deal. Uh, 877-867-1670. Sax says, Merry Christmas to you, Chris and the kids. Ham rolls, brandy slushies, pickled herring, or pickled northern is the best. Let, uh, let Grant know that's from Kevin. There you go. So we let you know. Good stuff. Uh, 877-867-1670. Before we go to break and start talking to Mike Clemens. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, this is from uh, Jake who says, I work as, oh, he's a distributor. He said, I work with Tito's. How much Tito's do you need next year? Let us know. 
Jake, I will let you know. I didn't know I could go directly to a supplier, but that'd be great to know. Uh, and Mac says, uh, Klaas Azul Gold Tequila. Have you ever had it? Uh, I've had the Azul Tequila, but I don't know what the difference is. There, There's Mezcal. There's the, the de- they have them all in those decorative bottles. You see them in a lot of different higher-end places now. Uh, but the Azul Tequila is now, in the, in the nicer the bottle, the higher-end tequila there is. And I have learned that I am a, a lower-end tequila drinker. I do appreciate the high-end because it doesn't give you the burn. But I, you know, like the regular Azul Tequila, the, the white bottle with the blue, the, the white uh, artistic bottle with the blue, you know, accents, that's my speed right there. The higher you get, it's kind of wasted on me. But I do appreciate that you can drink a tequila and it doesn't have that burn or that, that biting aftertaste. Good, smooth tequila. I'm good with that. I'm not good with it the next day, but I'm good with that that night. Not a bad way to go. Uh, let's go to Mike listening to us in Whitewater. Mike, how you doing, pal? Merry Christmas, Bill, to you and Kristen and your you family. Too, bud. Hey, I'm going down to Geno's probably next week and the Are following you? week Ooh. also. Yeah. There you great, go. Great food, great pizzas, whatever. Um Going back to, uh, I think we talked the other day about uh, the play in the end zone where Stokes ponied up that it was his man that got uh, Ford out of position. He was looking to him, but on the other side of Ford was another (laughs) runner from the uh, team wide open also with the Mm -hmm. Packers at the goal line. Jair, you know, hang it up, Jair. I mean, you get all that money, and like you said, the the belt and everything else. Yeah. <laughs> you make one pay, and you get beat four other plays, and you're standing there like you're Mister God. Yeah. You know, he is definitely it, not it, Darrell Rivas, that's for sure. Yes, sir. And um, I'm I'm with you, Friday fish fries. You are correct. Wisconsin tradition from when I was a small kid, and uh, old fashions for Grant too. I agree with him. Yep. 100%. But you have a wonderful uh, holiday, my friend, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Talk to you. You guys have a great holiday as well. That's our buddy Mike down there in Whitewater. Let's do this. We're going to bring him in. Mike Clemens is going to join us, take us the rest of the way as we uh, talk about uh, a lot of different things swirling around the Green Bay Packers. We'll talk some injuries. We'll talk some Joe Barry. We'll talk about Matt LaFleur. We'll talk about the uh, spirit of the locker room. As they get ready for this very vital stretch, three games, all must wins, and you're in. Well, you control your own destiny, let's say. you got to win, and then you got to have a few things break your way. But for the most part, if you win, you get the nine wins. Chances are you'll probably end up there. So uh, can the Packers do it? Uh, we'll wait and see. But we'll talk with Mike Clements coming up in the next segment about just that. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at the Four Seasons Island Resort. Up north, and uh, they have a wonderful, wonderful New Year's Eve party planned. They have also, a couple of weeks after that, they have got the uh, the Al Capone's birthday party coming up. But if you are looking for a great escape, a New Year's Eve party where you can stay in, you don't have to go anywhere, you don't have to drive anywhere, just go and have a great time, have a great meal, have great wine tasting, have a great party downstairs, ring in the New Year, and then just walk back to your room, maybe hit the pool, a huge indoor pool, big giant hot tub sauna, maybe because we know the weather's going to be warm, take a walk. Get out and enjoy nature a little bit. 
great place to go. That's the Four Seasons Island Resort. They have some discounts available. If you mention you heard it right here on the program, a few rooms are available. So call Barb now, 715-938-5110, 715-938-5110. Once it gets cold enough and once they start making snow, Pine Mountain Ski and Golf Resort, it is going to be open. The ski jump is going to be open and all that kind of good stuff. So head up to Pine Mountain. But if you want to ring in the new year, they have a few rooms available. Call now. It's a great place to go. Very lore-esque. Uh, it's got a lot of great features to it and a lot of history to it. You'll want to be there. Four Seasons Island Resort, 715-938-5110. 715-938-5110. Ask for Barb and tell her you heard it here and you get 15% off your stay. Mike Clemens, next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Joel, what was this week like for you after, you know, everything that happened on Sunday? Well, uh, losing sucks. I mean, always. Thanks, Coach. Okay. Thank Thanks, you, Coach. See you guys. Hey, Merry Christmas. You too. Good grief. I love it. I love it. I love this tune, by the way. Right out of the uh, the Peanuts Christmas special, Mike Clemens brought to you by our friends at the Bay Family Restaurant. And the Bay Motel in Green Bay, it is quasi, quiet, it is cozy, it's comfortable, and it's only a mile from Lambeau Field. Perfect for the family stay. And the Bay Family Restaurant, as I had mentioned, homestyle cooking seven days a week. Seven days a week, the Bay Motel on uh, South Military Avenue in Green Bay with the Bay Family Restaurant. Call them today for reservations, 920-494-3441, 920-494-3441. You can ch- uh, go online and check it out as well at baymotelgreenbay.com. That is baymotelgreenbay.com. And uh, Mike Clemens now joining us on the hotline. Mike, I love the Charlie Brown Christmas music, man. love that special. It's it's pretty true. It's my favorite Christmas show amongst yep. some of the other movies and stuff. Uh, we had some drama up here this week, of course, because I you know was trying to trace it. The Packers walk off the field with a loss to the Buccaneers, thirty-four to twenty. Baker Mayfield, who, as we said, uh, three years in a row he plays quarterback at Lambeau Field with three different teams, pretty unusual. Comes in with the Browns, throws uh, four picks, loses. Comes up with the Rams, a beat-up team, they lose. And then he comes in with the Buccaneers with about a half a dozen guys that still have a Super Bowl ring from when they played with Tom Brady. And he has a perfect quarterback rating, something that is never done by a visiting quarterback in the history of Lambeau Field. Just pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, I think it started with people that cover the team, like, okay, what's the story here? Well, it's, it's this breakdown in the defense. And it's plays like Chris Godwin. You know, over and over again, uh, getting uh, you know catches over the middle. So Joe Barry, to his credit, came and talked to the reporters yesterday uh, for about 20 minutes. And the first question he was asked was, "Joe, what's this week been like after that 34 to 20 loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers?" Um, you deal with it. We had a bad game. Um, I have to be better for our guys completely. Um, and I, I put that on me all the time. Anytime we don't go play well, um, you know, it's on me. So um, 
But yeah, this this week was in particularly hard, to be honest with you. Mike, I don't want to jump ahead to the Devondre Campbell stuff, but that tweet made us all raise an eyebrow. Uh, you know, and I, I had the feeling that he was talking about inside the locker room versus outside. Because had it been outside, Matt LaFleur, I think, would have addressed it and said, yeah, he gets tired of the fans getting on him. The guy's playing through pain, and then he has a chance to stick up for his guy. Instead, he doesn't say anything about it at all. And I don't know if this is a reflection on Joe Barry, other guys in the locker room, what this week is like for these guys. Kind of, I, I would assume it's been very self-analytical, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's another cut that we were going to play there. Was that number one? Um uh, Grant, There's two number uh, ones, Mike. Yeah, they, they, yeah, I've got Eric Stokes in there, and I'm going to play that one later. But um, uh, there was – well, let's play cut two from Joe Barry on uh, what he said about the rest of this week. Well, uh, losing sucks. I mean, always. But, uh, yeah, I'd be lying to you if this – you know, it was – this week particular was hard. It was hard on me, hard on my family. Um, but that's – you know, this is the National Football League. This is what you sign up for. So this is, uh, um, you know, there's, what's the saying? You know, no crying and spilt milk, you know, or overspilt milk. So, I mean, um, you deal with it. I think the saying is there's no crying in baseball. <laughs> yeah, I, you don't Not, cry over spilled milk, and there's no or, crying or, in baseball. So, Or you don't cry over overspilled milk. Whatever Mike, I just is. want to correct real quick uh, for for that saying. That was a communication issue. He tried to communicate, wasn't <laughs> able to do so. It was a communication issue. Should I make fun of that at this point? I, I don't See, know if I should. That's classic Joe Barry right there, right? right? Right. I mean, this is when this is when you've got guys in the meeting room. They're now snickering at old Joe B. Yeah. So there's no crying Matt, over Chris Godwin. That yeah, that too. So is Matt Lafleur. Who I asked, all right, you know, how did you process this? I mean, after that uh, loss, what did you do? And he said, Sunday night, right after the game, after I got done talking to you guys, I go upstairs, I watch this game. And he gets out a list and he starts writing down things. Okay, that's wrong. That's wrong. I got to ask about this. What happened with this? And then he watched it with his coaches. And then he had a team meeting. He called in key players Monday and brought them in and talked about these different situations that he had on his list. Please explain what happened on this. What happened on this? He says it was open. It was honest. So maybe players are saying, we didn't get this signal. We didn't understand what you were doing here. We had concerns about this during the week. You know, so-and-so, maybe there's some players that got to give it up, or maybe some players that weren't in the room, you know, that uh, mm-hmm. that had to come forward or be accountable for it. But LaFleur then came back and talked to us Monday night and he said, you know what, the right defenses were called, but they, their lack of communication to shift with the different formations or the motions that the Buccaneers were showing on offense. When you're having basic communication problems and you're supposed to be in a certain coverage or a certain rotation and we're not getting that communication, that, that's what's so disappointing to me is the fact that it was poor communication. And it, it always starts with us. I mean, as it starts with myself and then it goes to all our assistant coaches. You know, I, and I agree. Look, it, it has to it starts with him and then kind of trickles its way down. I mean, obviously Joe Barry... Mike is, you know, for what his friends, his family, and he probably has heard is he is now squarely, I mean, no longer is it kind of like, well, he's, his defense has played okay. It's he's squarely in the crosshairs. 
Yeah, it's not a question if he's on the hot seat. It's a question of what the temperature of the hot seat is currently. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry to laugh. It's just it's been a long week. Um, you know, uh, Devondre Campbell. Here's a guy that's had uh, a really jacked up injury at, with an ankle last year, a high ankle sprain on the other leg this year. Then he's working with some sort of a neck injury or stinger. So he puts out after hearing Lafleur saying, you know, it's communication. He's sort of pointing it on the field. Well, this is the guy with the green dot on his helmet that's getting the radio mm-hmm. communications from Joe Barry. Mm-hmm. And he puts out that tweet Tuesday morning that you guys talked about on the show about, you know, if if I can't be appreciated for playing with injuries, then I'm not going to play. And Lafleur says that he caught up with Devondre. He says this is, a, you know, Joe Barry calls Devondre Campbell a warrior. And Lafleur said, you know, this is a solid player. He's had been dealing with injuries. I talked to him, and we decided, you know what, we'll rest you this week. We'll let you get back to 100%. Maybe they were pushing him on the field. There were decisions in that game that I don't understand, like why Eric Stokes was out there uh, 100% at the start of the game. Or, you know, because Isaiah McDuffie, Quay Walker was coming back from an injury, but why not put the guys that helped you win four out of five games or helped you win big games? Well, you know, Campbell was out there for the Lions game, and Joe Barry said the night before he saw him in the lobby with, with a trainer because he could his arms were so sore he couldn't put a shirt on. But, the, you know, they're playing mm-hmm. these guys. I saw Carrington Valentine, rookie, come in after practice yesterday. We were anxious to talk to him. He turned around. He was so stiff after Thursday's practice. This is a rookie. This is 23 years old. He said, guys, i, I got to go to the hot tub. And we watched him walk stiff across the locker room. So, you know, veterans don't do that because they don't want people to think that, you know, they're, they want them to think that they're invincible. So that's right. what's going on in the locker room right now. And in the meantime, you talk to Joe Barry about this, and, and you talk about some of these plays. Like, why does Chris Godwin get 10 catches? He's getting in 20-yard chunks, back-to-back plays. Or mm-hmm. how about the one with Mike Evans? When he lines up and 21 is there, Eric Stokes, back for his first time in a, in a year or so, and it just gets beat on a simple post route. And we talked to Joe Barry's comments about LaFleur saying the breakdown in communication on the field, and then who's at fault on the defense. That, that's, that's part of you know my title as the coordinator, to get it coordinated. Um, and when it doesn't go right, it is on me, and it's my job to get it done. What happened on the back-to-back, you know, 20-yard gains by Godwin, and then the, the one to David Moore? Because it looked like there was a lot of missed tackles on one of those plays as well. Yeah, there was, you know, the one with the long one in particular, which was really, that uh, was brutal. They, they simply had a, a change of strength motion, and um, we didn't rotate properly. Um, now we could have saved the day, you know. Uh, I th- that was a 51-yard touchdown, you know. I think, uh, you know, it could have been held to, you know, a four-yard gain or a 10-yard gain or a 12-yard gain. That's where, you know, the importance of tackling all the time is so important. But um, ultimately, what happened, you know, big picture was we didn't get it rotated properly on the motion when Mike Evans motioned. You know, Mike, I. I, I get it. I mean, I understand it. It's a legitimate breakdown, but I'm also thinking to myself, you know, come on, man. It's 
it's it's happened time and again. It wasn't like a one-time thing. And even Matt LaFleur said, yeah, we did it once to them, but you did it once. You didn't do it numerous times. I mean, how do you continually have these breakdowns, you know? Another thing, Bill, is that after we listened to Barry last night, I went back and I looked at a couple more plays, and, and I, I have a feeling that Joe Barry based his defense on wherever Mike Evans was going, Six foot five, Mike Evans. And I know that LaFleur had emphasized that in the week leading up to the game against Tampa. And I have a feeling that the Buccaneers picked up on that and they would just start motion Evans away and that's where they went and the play went the other way. And there now you got Chris Godwin wide open on the right hand side, time after time. Mm-hmm. Or even even that play, you know, to the, the and, and he's talking about to uh, that David Moore touchdown where Moore goes out the, the one that was for fifty two yards and put him up thirty four twenty, pretty much the dagger of the game. And Devondre Campbell had him covered, but, you know, Baker Mayfield made a tremendous pass. Then you got Keyshawn Nixon flying past him. You got uh, Carrington Valentine whiffing on him. You got Rudy Ford falling down and then turning around and trying to punch the ball out, you know, at the goal line. So you got missed tackles as well. In the meantime, you're playing a Carolina Panthers team with a E.J. Ivero, a Giro Rivero. They call him E.J., a guy who, by the way, in 2016 – was a defensive assistant here in Green Bay when Mike McCarthy was the coach. This guy is a rising star. He coached at the Rams uh, when LaFleur was there under, under Sean McVay. He was at Denver last year, probably at uh, LaFleur's recommendation for Nathaniel Hackett when he was put together the Broncos. And now he's out there with the Carolina Panthers. They thought they had a really good staff, but Frank Reich had some infighting as they started to lose this year. And Frank Reich ended up getting fired. So Matt LaFleur, listen to what Matt LaFleur says about this guy who's going to be on the other side of the field as the defensive coordinator of the Panthers. He's done a hell of a job. You saw it a year ago in Denver, what he did there, and you see the carryover this year with a whole new group. I've got a lot of respect for Ejero just as, as a football coach. He's a great communicator. He's demanding. He holds guys accountable and just got a, a ton of respect for what he's been able to accomplish. You see it on tape. They're very well coached, first of all. He's got a really good scheme, you know, nice wrinkles to it. I think they play very competitive, really, on all three levels. And you, you definitely see how hard they play. It, it jumps off the tape. So I think that's you know, it's, I mean, I think they're, what, third in total yards right now. And I know they're top ten in a lot of ca- categories and yards per play and all that. And I think those are specifically is a pretty telling category. So I think he's done a really, really good job there. You know, I, Mike, I, I get it. I understand giving credit to the opponent, which is what we hear all the time. That's awesome. But I want to know what they're going to do to continually try to fix this thing. Let's do this. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. More Mike Clements joining us here on the hotline and giving us the update from Upset Inside 1265. Stay tuned. We've got a whole lot more of the Bill Michael Show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. This week particular was hard. It was hard on me, hard on my family. But, you know, this is the National Football League. This is what you sign up for. This is, uh, what's the saying, you know, no crying and spilt milk, you know, or overspilt milk. Which team do you play for? Well, I'm a peach. Well, I was just wondering, because I couldn't figure out why you would throw home when we've got a two-run lead. You let the tying run get on second, and we lost the lead because of you. Now you start using your head. (laughs) Are you crying? Are you crying? Are you crying? 
There's no crying in baseball. <laughs> There's crying in milk and milk spills and football communication and stuff. And you get him. Go cover that guy. You, that guy. No, not him. Him. No. Uh, let me hold up a sign. It's got a. It's got a donkey. And a fist on it. I don't know what that means, but take that guy. There you go. <laughs> that's that's awesome. I don't know who's got the donkey fist. Somebody gave me the donkey punch. I don't know what it was, uh, but punch punch the ball out. Punch the ball out. There's donkey what? balls over there. Punch the ball. You out. know, after after the uh, Mike Evans wide open against uh, Eric Stokes touchdown I got I told you I said what 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 happened on the Stokes play man I came down the press box where Bill's there in the front row and I just said what what was that and we're shrugging our shoulders right and I spent a lot of the rest of the game Bill trying to figure out the operation and I saw Rebovich who's the outside linebacker coach he wears a headset and he's right on the line of scrimmage when defense yeah. is out there so you got you got uh, Joe Barry up in the box with the headset, and he's talking down into the helmet. But then they've got the outside linebacker coach, and he's doing hand signals for every play, and you know directing guys, and probably right. pointing to some of the. And then another thing, Tyler Davis, you know the tight end that suffered the, mm-hmm. the torn ACL this summer. Yeah, he's up there holding signs, little signs. And I asked the veteran on the team what those are. He says personnel. Oh, okay. So if it's a, the car, he's holding up a yellow card. Says one zero. One 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 two, and that's to to make sure if you're a corner or somebody way on the other side of the field, that he's seeing the same formation. So if you've got two tight end, one running back, or whatever that formation is, then you're supposed to make your shift or your adjustment accordingly. And if you can't see mm-hmm. on the other side of the field, you got your buddy Tyler Davis up there holding up a card that that confirms what formation the Buccaneers came out, and that will make adjustments as to whether you're what your leverage is or whatever the shifts are that they're talking about. And still, you know, they got toasted in that game. I did not see the donkey fist sign. I'll be looking for that at the next at Yeah, the next game. check that out in Carolina just in case, yeah. you know. I, yeah. I don't know what that means. Yeah, it's kind of like that fist they have over there in Detroit, which, you know, it's a puncher's fist and then there's a donkey, and I don't know what it all means, but, you know. And then, you know, the problem is Tyler Davis every now and then goes, 52 pickup, and then they don't know what the hell they're running out there. So it's, it's kind of crazy when he throws the cards down. How, how weird would it be? If your next defensive coordinator in Green Bay was Ajiro Evero, right? This EJ right? Evero that you just heard Lafleur talking about, raving about. Uh-huh. Did you hear Lafleur yeah. say communication by chance? Yeah. You know, in that quote. Yeah. So uh, the Panthers had a press conference last night, and their defensive coordinator EJ Evero talked about what he sees from this Green Bay team under Jordan Love at quarterback. Well, it's a it's a very good offense. Um, they challenge you schematically for certain with their run game, the pass game, the RPOs. Uh, Matt Lafleur, you know, I worked with him in uh, in uh, L.A. years back, and he's an excellent coach. Um, the design is always really good with him. The tempo and speed with the, at which they execute is really good. So and we know it's going to be a challenge. They got good players, uh, good backs. The quarterback is playing at a high level right now, um, and you can see he's playing a lot better than he did earlier in the year. They've got good skilled people, and so we know it's going to be a tough challenge for us. Um, but we're just uh, focused in on making sure we're the best versions of ourselves, communication, effort, physicality, trying to bring all that to light on um, Sunday. I get it. Uh, it's very coach speak. Uh, you know, I don't know what this thing's going to come down to, but it could have come down to maybe special teams instead of 
the play of the defense. And I got to assume that everybody's up there pretty much uh, on a hot seat and on notice at this point, including guys like Rich Passaccia. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing I want to talk about, about this Panthers team as well. So Frank Reich, who I think is a great coach, gets a raw deal and gets cut early in the season. Uh, There was a lot of infighting between the coaches as the losing uh, piled up, even though, you know, they traded away uh, draft picks to get this Bryce Young at quarterback, including D.J. Moore, which would have been a nice target for him. Instead, one like 32-year-old Adam Thielen, former Viking, is probably his, his top receiver. They've got a lot of old free agency names on this team, like, you know, Justin Houston and all that. And it's, you know, you can't have a brand-new rookie quarterback throw him in there with a bunch of, you know, kind of broken players, as opposed to Jordan Love, three years to watch, and now he's with a bunch of young but very promising receivers you see an ascending team. Uh, Chris Tabor then became the interim coach. This is a great special teams guy, long time with the Browns. Uh, you, you know, and this is a guy that you've been against in, in different situations, you know, around the league. Uh, he was with the Bears when the Bears had great special teams with, you know, Lovey Smith and Devin Hester and those guys. That's why that name is, sounds familiar. Uh, and then uh, you've got uh, Johnny Hecker, who's a punter that also burned the Packers one time. It was 2018. We're out of the Coliseum. And Sean McVay is losing to Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy, who had a great game plan for that Rams team. And McVay started flipping things like a special teams uh, gadget play where Johnny Hecker, instead of punting, ends up throwing to Sam Shields, the former Packer, wide right, the former defensive back, and you know who he beat? Kevin King for 12 yards. That flipped the game. So this is what I think is great about Bisaccia. And understand this, Bisaccia is now the assistant head coach. He's probably mm-hmm. making more than Joe Barry, which is a little weird. But Bisaccia is so detailed. I'm telling you, Ron Zook, McCarthy's, <laughs> McCarthy's special teams guy, he didn't even know the name of the punter. Listen to Bisaccia break down this Panthers team under Chris Tabor. I'm very familiar with Coach Tabor, you know, and certainly – kind of going through the situation he's going through now. You know, he's been known throughout the league for a long time as a, a coach that um, players love to play for. Um, his units play extremely hard right now. I think Eddie Pinero was the NFC Player of the Week last week for his performance and, you know, really poor weather over there with the field goal. And um, they're an explosive punt return game. You know, he's had a touchdown already. I think it was a 79-yarder. And then they're explosive in the kick return game. And... You know, they've covered some kicks this year. They're, they're a physical, uh, fast bunch. So I think the challenge is going to that place is um, playing a team that, that's playing extremely uh, fast and physical for a coach they really enjoy playing for. And uh, I think we'll, we'll see that. They, Johnny Hecker's been around forever. You know, he's a former, I call him a quarterback punter because he's always a threat to throw the ball or some sort of fake coming from him regardless of where you are in the field. You know, he's up at over 20 attempts throwing the ball in his career at punter, so it, it'll be a challenge for us to be able to keep up with this group. Packard threw it against the Packers in 2018 in the Coliseum when he was with the Rams. Um, do you play several clips of that example so the guys can mentally get an idea what that might look like? Yeah, they've seen a bunch of them. And it's on today, you know, again, I think it's over 20, might be 23 attempts that he's had over his career, you know, the teams he's been on. So we, we've, uh, we're preparing for it, we've seen it, and um, we'll see what happens if it happens. I'm very familiar Mike, with Coach Tabor. You know, and so- there you go. Mike, I wanted to ask you, uh, going back, and I know the focus has been on the defense this week, but 
What has the reaction been inside that locker room to what's been stated by the coaches outside of the locker room? Uh, it's hard to get a defensive guy to talk. Really? Or or, okay. or to get in the locker room, yeah. Maybe Rashawn will go today. But, uh, yeah, even Tom Silverstein, he got a couple of seconds as they were letting us out with Quay Walker, who said, you know, were you in that meeting? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we got things worked out. Yeah, that's it. You know, they're not talking. They know right. how hot it is right now. No one wants a part of that. But I did talk to Corey Ballantyne, who is a guy who's been on four or five different teams. He was he was drafted by the Giants. But, you know, kind of like Al Harris, you know, Al Harris was with the Eagles and the Bucks, and then finally he, he found his niche when he got to Green Bay and became a shutdown corner and now is a defensive back coach for first the Chiefs and now for Mike down with the Cowboys. And Corey Ballantyne is 27, and I talked to him because Greg Williams, his coach, his defensive coach, said, yeah, this dude is here working until 8 o'clock at night studying tape. He stays watching games. And I said, you know, Corey, that's what your coach said about you. Uh, yeah, I try I try to prepare as much as I can because I don't like I, – I remember, remember being a rookie, and um, it was hard kind of transitioning. I went to Division two, so transitioning from that to the league – um, it, it took me a little bit, and, and I just tried to find ways to make the game slow down for me a little bit. And I realized that my biggest problem was going out there and being indecisive or like stuff was moving fast and I wasn't communicating or I wasn't knowing what was going on. And I, the best way to combat that is just being prepared, knowing exactly where I'm supposed to be, where my help is, and really knowing what other guys around me are supposed to be doing. In case something gets messed up, I can make it right or whatever, and that kind of helps me play faster. You know, the other thing, Mike, in, in the secondary-wise, I mean, it was great to get Stokes back, but he also, you know, he, he showed a little bit of rust, too, in that game, but you hope that he continues to progress with his playing time. 100%, Bill. I mean, they tried to bring him back when we were in Denver in the Broncos game. About the third snap, he, you know, he blew out his hamstring because he hadn't played in a year. He had a horrible, horrible foot injury and knee injury. Like I said, it's almost looked like he got run over by a truck talked about him sitting in a wheelchair a year ago at this time. And so we asked Eric after the game on Monday, at least he was nice enough to come out, to talk about the mistakes that the defense made against the Giants and the Bucks when he made his comeback, and they started him for 47 snaps. And I said, do you, do you guys even trust each other right now? It was a great feeling being back out there. I ain't played ball in over 13 months or whatever, so it was a great feeling just being back out there, just being out there with the guys. Very, very much emotional. There's a lot of trust in game plan. Like, there's a lot of things that we, like, as a defense, like, that we messed up. Like, there's a lot of little things where we go back on film. A lot of people ain't lined up right. A lot of people ain't doing it. So there's a lot of little things that we can blame blame for ourselves before we blame anything else. Like, you got to look in the mirror. There you go. That's uh, Let's do this. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break, and uh, we'll come back and, uh, and kind of wrap things up with Mike. And that was Eric Stokes talking about coming back and playing and the, the trust factor and such. So let's do this. We'll step away. We'll take a quick break. Wrap it up next with Mike Clemens right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Aiden Reed, Darnell Savage, Christian Watson. Limited were Jair, AJ Dillon, Ingabare, Aaron Jones, Jonathan Owens, TJ Slayton, Luke Tenuta, Quay Walker, Eric Wilson, and Dontavian Wicks. Oh, sorry, Emmanuel Wilson, my fault. Communication error. Welcome back. 
Welcome back. Good to have you on board. Bill Michael's show on this Friday, right before Christmas. Don't forget, coming up after the game on Christmas Eve, we got the Green and Gold postgame show. Myself, Mike Clemens is going to be here joining us as well, uh, live uh, covering the ball game. So looking forward to it. Mike, a uh, lot, a lot of injuries on this team right now. They are a banged-up football team going into a 2-12 and team. Yeah, and I got time to read them all. I'll tell you, here's the the most important ones. Devondre Campbell, who was your inside linebacker with the green dot last week. Yeah, he's they they're resting him this week with the neck injuries and the other stuff. Darnell Savage will not play at safety. Uh, and then Jair Alexander, they still got him questionable again. Will he plays AJ Dillon with the broken thumb is a maybe. Uh, I don't understand that. But here's the two key ones: Jaden Reed. And Dontavian Wicks are both questionable for the game. Uh, Reed has got this toe injury uh, that he right. ha- that happened in the Bucks game. Uh, that's not going to help out to Jordan Love much because he's so important. And you know Watson's still at least questionable or doubtful with the the hamstring he's got. Uh, Jordan Love, uh, you know, we talked to him uh, about this. This Panthers team won last week in the rain at the end of the game. Bryce Young, young quarterback, got it together. 17-play drive, couldn't score, but got into field goal range. They kicked the field goal. They won 9-7 over the Falcons. The, 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 the Carolina team, they have a lot of turnovers, a lot of mistakes on offense, pretty good defense. It's fairly highly ranked, and a young quarterback that's still learning with not a lot of weapons. But they, you know, they could be dangerous, who knows, at home. But you talk to Jordan Love about, you know, do you try not to underestimate a 2-12 and team. I mean, I don't think, you know, bouncing back after two two losses, I definitely don't think um, we're going to be underestimating anybody. So, um, you know, I think we're going to come out Sunday with our best with our best foot forward. Um, but, you know, I think just the stretch of games we've had, um, losing two tough ones, we're ready to bounce back, and we're definitely not about to take this game for granted. The big issue, Mike, is with uh, the three games remaining, can this team win out and actually put – I mean, this is playoff football. they got to put themselves in position. Can you beat the Panthers on Sunday? Can you beat the Vikings on New Year's Eve? And then whatever Bears team is going to show up on either that Saturday or Sunday, not scheduled at, at Lambeau. And we talked to Jordan Love about that. Yeah, I mean, we've got to win. We've got a, you know, three opportunities to go out there and get a, get a, get a win. Um, you know, the goal right now is to get to 9-8 and eight and then obviously let the, the playoffs kind of play themselves out and see if we can get a shot in there. But, uh yeah, I mean, obviously bouncing back after two tough losses, um, you know, we just got to find a way to go win these last three. Mike, uh, good stuff. I look forward to talking to you during the uh, postgame show coming up on Christmas Eve. Uh, you and the family have a great Christmas, and uh, we'll talk on Sunday, and then we'll talk again on Wednesday, okay? I, I appreciate that very much, and I can tell you, I know what Brian Gutekunst already got for Christmas, a quarterback. <laughs> At least he's got to rebuy one. That's for sure. That's coming up. Sure. Great stuff. Uh, there you go. Grant, you have a, a terrific – I know you're heading home or heading to Minnesota and all that kind of stuff. You've got a lot of driving to do. Be safe and enjoy yourself, and then we'll talk again on Wednesday. Yeah, Merry Christmas, Bill. Have a good holiday. All right, buddy. You too. There you go. That is going to do it. Uh, the weekend going into the Christmas weekend edition of the Bill Michael Show. Reminder, coming up on Sunday. Sunday, Christmas Eve, it's the Green and Gold Postgame Show. We're going to be right here. We're going to be right here with you, myself and uh, the entire staff, Mike Clemens and everybody, going to be right back here. So until we talk again, have a great weekend. Hopefully the Packers get a win, but we will talk to you immediately following the contest on Sunday afternoon, okay? Until then, time for us to go. Have a go. See you.